Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Gents, do you want to make your testies your besties? Are you sick of nipping your dick on a two-blade bic? Well, we at The Bull Breakdown have got you covered. We've partnered with Manscaped to give you 20% off all of their products, ranging from ball toners to the lawnmower. All you have to do is go to www.manscaped.com and apply the discount code BORA20 at checkout. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Oh! coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Boy Breakdown podcast. Live on Red Army Radio and whatever podcast app you're listening to us on. Welcome back. Um, I'm Johnny and I'm joined by my two wonderful Wonderful co-host, Dana and Elliot. And well, goals from Mr. Consistent, Johnny House, and a new boy, Tuberak Pom, gave Bora the first win on home soil since Boxing Day. And Neil Warnock will win on his 1500th game in football on a 2-1 win over Barnsley. Dana, Dana, Dana. Um, Bora made changes. Warnie wasn't happy with the previous couple of games. Um, he, put, he brought in Mark Bowler, who somehow came from the from the mist of nowhere um, to fill in at left-back. Dale Fry came in, Morty came at the team as well, and you've seen Tav moved into a wider position. I know we spoke about that last week as well. Um, but how do you think Bora played yesterday, and did you think we deserved the win as well? Yeah, I think we deserved the win based on uh, the second-half performance. I must admit, the first half was a little bit disappointed because I just felt like it was devoid of, of much quality, really. But we stopped Barnsley playing, which was different to the last game against them, and um, a, a long overdue uh, home win um, in the league. I think twelve home games in the making, so it's it's good. I mean, the, you know, the second half performance was was much better. Um, the second goal, I think, was was really important because the the door was still open for Barnsley to get something out of the game in the second half and we effectively shut that door on them with that early goal and you know it, it, the confident, our confidence built from that and the pressure was taken off us slightly so it was a, a really important goal that was. Yeah, the goal obviously was a strike at half-time I think. I, honestly, my head just went after, that, after <laughs> the moment. That, but obviously it was, it was a great time to score for us, Housen, um first goal of the season but then also on the back of that as well, I know, I know I mentioned about the start, 
um, Mark Baller. Then I, last week, I know you said I forgot he existed. Um, I feel sorry for Mark a little bit there, um, given he was probably one of my players to watch last year. And you know what? He didn't really yeah. come through, but you never know under Neil Warnock. Um, but then he, he came at the team ahead of Johnson. Was it nice to see Mark Baller exist for a start? <laughs> what were your thoughts on his performance? And do you think he can keep his place for the next game? It was nice to see him exist. Um, I was quite, I mean, he wasn't tested that much defensively. Neither was um, Tav on the other side. So I think it's still early days, but it was, it was good to see him grow in comfort in the game. His deliveries at the beginning were a little bit um, wayward, I'll say, a little bit off the mark. But as he grew into the game, his deliveries got better. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really quite glad that. Warnock did drop Spence and Johnson because it does give them a kick up the backside. And I said last week I was I wasn't really um, best pleased with with Spence. I think I was talking to you uh, you two after the the podcast, and Spence had about thirty touches in the QPR game, and Johnson didn't have many more. And, and when you play that three five two, you need those wing backs to be involved more. And um, you know I'm, I'm glad that Warnock saw that and and he saw reason to change. And I think it was it was a a successful change I think you know uh, Tav played well as well on that that wide um, you know right, right wing back and yeah it was a it was a good uh, success I think yeah I, I probably agree else um, got, we're going to kick things off with a question uh, from Charlie um, he personally asked me what cheek is horny for horny going on um, I'm probably thinking right I think um, I don't want to affect I think it's just, just go across what, both cheeks? Across both, and then the O in the... Yeah, you in, know, in, you know where gap. I'm going with that, yeah. In the gap. Yeah. Um, well, let's be honest, that's, that, it's, it's quite, that's quite big, that. So it's... Um, I don't really want it... Like, Honey for to be that big. Right. I kind of just want it to be, like, a little bit of a symbol where, like... You like the little TM logo or, like, an R logo. Well, not yeah. like... A, not like Probably a little bit bigger than that, I think. Maybe, right, like, yeah. just a... Maybe, like, an... Uh, Calabri 12, maybe. Right, okay. um, yeah, maybe you can't on, go across on the right, the, on yeah, the right so maybe side. The right, yeah, the right side, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and also okay. I don't want anything to affect my left foot, you know, in case I'm playing. So it just... This is an incredible conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's a debate which could be made at the end of the season. Now, at, at the moment, I'm pretty confident, and I'm gonna, we'll come on to it a little bit later on the podcast where we think we're going to finish after the, the first phase of games. Um, but else, apart from me getting tattoo on my butt cheek... Um, <laughs> Tav moving out wide. Dan has mentioned it already. Um, he's moving up the right wing back. Well, really, we're kind of playing with more of a five in midfield rather than a five at the back. Um, but do you think he could play there more regularly? Do you think he looks more suited there? And do you think this might affect our transfer strategy moving forward as well? Um, I don't think it'll affect the, the transfer strategy, no. Um, it was an interesting one, um, and when I, I know he's going to laugh at the average positions, but <laughs> I had a look at them, and um, I think what it gives us, and it's a bit almost like what you were saying about McNair the other week, about him kind of ghosting into midfield and causing an overload, but the way Tav was positioned up compared to Mark Bowler, it was it, it almost became like when Tav went forward, it went into a back four, Mark Bowler dropped back, so it was kind of asymmetric almost in the sense that it was really four rather than five because um, we were trying to play down that side. Um, obviously, Mark Bowler's going to have more of a, a defensive instinct than Tav is. Um, but I thought, he'd done, I thought he'd done really well then. It was a change which I, I completely didn't see coming at all. Um, but, you know, it, 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 I thought it worked well. And it's one of those we didn't have many options to replace Spence with, as we've said. Um, and, you know, it's good to maybe give them a kick up the backside. Um, Johnson and Spencer say, look, your, your positions aren't 
um, 100% nailed on. Um, there's other people who can come into play. So um, normally we would have only said Coulson, but obviously Baller and Tav, if, if they if he sees them playing out in those positions, it gives a lot of competition. So um, I think he obviously wants to try and get more out of Tav. Um, we have watched him obviously for years and everyone has their own opinions on where he thinks his best position is. But obviously Warnock might want to test him out in different areas and see. Um, especially with Patrick Roberts coming in, Patrick Roberts might take up more of a central role. So, well, Warnock um, basically insinuated that Tav's best position is out wide. Um, he said, "When there's a line been beside him." More breakdown podcast because I think <laughs> he was saying a lot of things that we were saying on the on the thing. I but I, um, I mean, when you looked into our analytics, there was a few from uh, Herworth. So you never know. <laughs> you, you never you imagine know. just Warnie, Warnie, Blackie, and Jepson just uh, sitting in the <laughs> sitting in the changes, just going, oh, "What? What's it? Move, move Tav out wide." <laughs> Just write it down. <laughs> Love it. I think it, it, it'd be tough to maybe. I know you um, would like to play a four-three-three, and there's potential for it um, in a sense. And I think the formations are going to be quite chopped and change and fluid, and, and maybe until we get on a good run, and you might see it stick to to one. Um, but I think what it gives us is the. I don't know that hidden factor to the opposition because the you know they might have looked and they thought, well, they lined up in this same formation last time a three-five-two. They're going to be trying the both wing backs gonna be trying to do the same thing but then when in actual fact that they were doing opposite things um so the defender on that side is it um i want to get mixed up with his name because i know there's a, another williams in the chat is it jordan williams on that side what tab was stationed upon yeah um, I, I always get mixed up with uh is it Derek williams at black Blackburn? yeah is that his name yeah. um but yeah um so I think that's you know part of of getting it. Tav would have had more sort of positional awareness to get in behind um, John Williams and maybe Spence Wood. So um, I thought it suited us, and you know yeah. I'm all for these unknown changes. That, uh, you know no one would have really predicted that I don't think, but yeah, it was it was quite good. Yeah, it's it's good to see Tav coming on his left foot and have a go. Um, but also I think Warnock alluded to it in his press conference where he said. It doesn't really matter if Tav moved in because you've got Dykesdale there who's been phenomenal. Yeah, well, Dykesdale really moves over when Tav goes forward. He basically takes up like a, a right back position for it. Um, and yeah, maybe it will, would stretch out the the other central defenders. But when you're playing a back three, if one moves over, you've still got two there. Which you know, if you were playing a back four anyway, that's that's the only cover you would have had anyway. So um, when we're on the ball as well, you'll probably see it where like. If we're on the right-hand side, you might see a Savile drop into a centre-half position. If you're on the left side, you might see like a Morsi or a House and just drop in that centre-half role as well. So it's all, quite all fluid. Three of them, yeah, all three of them are really fluid. Um, yesterday, that you know, we've kind of been saying the past few weeks that Morsi might be in the one sitting a little bit more, but all of them were just kind of switching positions all throughout the game. And Morsi was contributing in the attacking phase of the play. Yeah, that's what surprised me, because I, I sort of pinned him as a, you know, a, a holding player. Maybe we've like flipped him like 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 to the opposite of a Nicky Bailey where like <laughs> Nicky Bailey came in to be like an attacking midfielder and then somehow we played him left wing and then we moved into more of a centre defensive mid. Maybe yeah, maybe we've brought Morsi in it's not to be like a centre defensive mid, but maybe to be a, a false nine or like a centre forward. <laughs> <laughs> he was good though. He he was good, Marty. Um, he he did offer something that I, I didn't expect from him, and you know he was contributing to the to the attacks that like you said. He was getting stuck in. He was being aggressive. You got a yellow card. I wonder how many of those he's going to get this season. And and he just looks like that type of player that, you know, the Clayton of old, but with a, a, an extra added spice of of you know being more 
able to attack. And yeah, I think the midfield yesterday was was really good. Savile again. Um, I know we praised him last week, but he was picking up those those loose balls, winning those second balls. I think he was the one that, that technically got the assist for the house and goal because he, he knocked it over to him. Um, you know, I thought the midfield was was really really good yesterday. He got the highest uh, highest rating on on who scored as well. I saw on that. Savile. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I thought um, I thought it was really good. I know we got a bit of stick, or you in particular, Johnny, in midweek about him. But um, I think he's sometimes a lot of Borough players. They just they get that scapegoat nature, and they can't seem to quite shake it off. See Sean. Well, for look, example, it's so. it's that seven million price tag. It doesn't matter mm. what he does. He could score. A, like a backward flip over a somersault kick top corner shouting Jimmy whilst shouting doing Jimmy it. at the same time whilst blowing a whistle and having like uh, <laughs> like glow sticks and spinning around like and you'd still have someone like booting off you know what I mean like he could he could he could do anything and still not justify that seven million pound and it's not his fault it's really not you know obviously Borough have came in and said all right yeah we'll pay seven million obviously yeah. Millwall have been like yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure you want to put that extra zero there? Yeah, 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 yeah it's fine. We really meant to play seven, play seven hundred thousand, but it's actually yeah. <laughs> seven mil. <laughs> but no, it is that. I think it's, is that uh, fee that really doesn't help George Savile. But look, he's. I said he could, you could, you could hopefully come good this year. I hope he does. I think he's got the ability there, and I know I mentioned that he does things that are unnoticed. But and people said to me there, were, oh, well, it's quite naive me to say that, but. The reason why I said it was more of the aspect of if you watch him just solely on the game, and I don't recommend watching watching George Self for ninety minutes. It's not, it's not for the faint hearted, and it's not that exciting. Um, but it, it, you do understand his role more, and you understand what he's he's starting to bring to the table uh, to the team and, and the table as well. So I don't know. I'm not gonna like overly praise him, mm. but I feel like he's gonna be that type of player who's gonna get consistent. He gets six and sevens each week, and I think you yeah. need. You need about five or six of those players each, uh, just to have that build that consistency there, but also build the foundation for, like the likes of Tav to have maybe like a four or an eight game, or you know what I mean, or like an Akpom of maybe like a, a nine or like a two, you know what I mean. So it's it's um it all balanced out eventually. But um elsewhere we'll chat about Sam Morsey now. Then um we 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 seen a lot more of him yesterday, and we've both mentioned that. Well, me and Dan have mentioned that he's dropping the centre half a bit a little bit more. He's moving forward. He was he was creating more opportunities than we actually thought. Um. Initially, when he had that shot, I was like, "Wow, what a goal from Sam Morsey!" And then, uh, <laughs> Same. I, uh, thought it and was I was like, "Wow, goal. that's what we paid Wigan for." You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what that's what an Egyptian international does. Um, top bins, and then like obviously, I seen Akpom take a massive deflection. But what do you think of Sam Morsey yesterday? Um, he did look pretty comfortable, and he's, he looks like a really good addition, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the key word there yeah, is, is composed. Um, he he doesn't seem to. Fears when he's on the ball, he doesn't seem to panic. Um, you know, good in possession, he's contributing all over the pitch. Um, you know, he's been he's been given that chance um, now. Really, we were saying the other week that you know you can't really drop other people to to get him out of there. Um, sorry to to accommodate him, but um, yeah, it's like I said, we're still trying to maybe figure out um, everyone's roles, and sometimes they are all a bit fluid. I think because the the bit of an all rounder, some of our midfielders. Um, I think maybe that might confuse opposition sometimes, especially if they're going to keep switching if they're on the right or the left. Savile does tend to station up more on the left, but um, you know when we switch balls out to, to certain flanks and whatnot, different midfielders might go over and help. And I think uh, I think this formation, even though Warnock might not have originally wanted to play it, 
um, I think just gives people a lot of, not even just the midfielders but um, a lot of people on the team versatility to play to play everywhere so yeah I think that versatility is going to really pay dividends for us this year and I think it's just I just want to chat about Barnsley before we move on I was um, I thought they were a completely different side to the team that battled us in the Carabao Cup yeah. appreciate Struber could be gone um, it could be going to New York City and I, I, I don't really blame them to be honest I'd much rather live in New York than I would Barnsley so um <laughs> No disrespect to anyone who listens to this podcast who's from Barnsley, but it's like, uh, it's like just you know what I mean. You'd, you'd probably rather live in New York when you saw, and obviously that would be a much more appetizing job. I mean, financially as well for him. So, but do you think Barnsley, uh, Barnsley's manager Struber was his head was turned a little bit. The players weren't as motivated, or can you see Millsborough had with a much better team and they had better control and one would just knew what to do at the time. Yeah, I think uh, a bit of both really. We were saying last week that it's probably going to be a completely different game. We obviously had a, a stronger team out, as did they. Um, I think, yeah, part of it, you know, the, the players uh, might have been not fully 100% in it. They're thinking, well, we don't know what the situation's going to be. We don't know who our new manager's going to be. They might have really liked them, and I imagine some of the players have joined because of it because I know they've got a few um, Australian and... Australian, wow. Um, Austrian and German <laughs> players, um, which obviously he probably identified and brought in. So they kind of maybe left up in the air thinking, well, what next? Um, so they're going to need some stability going forward. Um, but in terms of like Borough and the difference between the two games, is when I looked into the stats from the previous game and this game, we actually allowed them a lot more possession um, and time on the ball, which is weird because you think actually that's what... Um, you know, it was our downfall last time, our Achilles heel. But yeah. it kind of we were trying not to play their type of game. Um, so we even had we had a lot less passes. Um, I think it was about forty less passes um, in in this game, and it was we were being a bit more direct. Um, I know that old saying: if you can't beat them, join them. But we totally we weren't even doing that. We were just going to be like, right, we're not going to even try and play the same way as Barnsley do because we don't have the players for that. Um, it's not the ideal sort of system that one at wants to do you know we are a bit of a I don't want to kind of say kick a long team but you know we're not very a possession based team our passing accuracy in both games is only 61% versus Barnsley's about 74-75% um, so we're not going to try and play out from the back and, and whatnot. so um, a lot of the balls were up to Brit who would then try and hold it up and bring it others into play um, and he's he's actually getting a lot better at that and he's um, he's trying to he's using his strength very well um, and he was he obviously drew the the free kick, which eventually led to the goal. So, um, yeah, I, I think that was the big change. What we tried to do, we th- we were saying, look, don't try and play football. And it says, but I know, which is, sounds almost negative, but um, we know that Barnsley are good at it. So if we lose possession because of a mis- misplaced pass, they're going to then have possession for the next five minutes. Um, so if we want to attack, we need to try and do it directly and get it to the right people straight away, i.e., Akpom and, and Brit. Yeah, I think you were saying obviously where Middlesbrough changing the style of play and they are becoming a bit more direct again. Um, obviously we've been direct under Tony Pulis and you know everyone really didn't take to that very well. But obviously with Warnock we seem to have a bit more, we seem to be more direct but with intent. I think which is why fans seem to be more. I think it's because it's, happy with it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more a case of we're going to keep doing it throughout the game. Um, obviously with Pulis it was, I think it was a little bit more effective. Obviously had a better team as well, better players that Pulis worked with than what Warnock has. Um, but I think obviously we'd race into a 2-0 lead and then it's like right we're not even going to 
we're not even going to attempt to attack now. Mm. Um, we're just going to sit back and hold this lead, which is obviously where, as a, as a paying customer, is you know you're almost like, what am I doing here? Um, and that's when you, you're doing Elliot Venice and go down the concourse for 70 minutes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think with Warnock, I think even though we might be playing a similar style of football, I think we're always going to be in the game and trying to attack, even if we go into a 2-0 lead. Um, and I think some weeks, this season, I don't want to kind of say we're definitely going to hammer someone 4-0, but I think if we get into a 2-0 lead and we're quite clinical up front, we could beat a, a team easily 4-0 at home this season. Yeah. Um, so doesn't matter how many goals you score, it's how many points you get. Remember True. that, Els. Um, but then um, Els mentioned obviously Middlesbrough slowly changing in the way they're playing. Um, Borough had six bookings yesterday, was the most they've had this season. Um, is this a sign that Borough are becoming a much more physical team under Neil Warnock? Mm, I, I don't think so. I think it was just the referee, really, being a <laughs> being a bad referee. Uh, there was a there was a foul that he gave against Tav and gave him a yellow card and he slipped. Um <laughs> he slipped and he you Standard. know, he went into the player. <laughs> it was I mean it was a rainy night obviously. Um and he gave him a, a yellow card for it and I'm just thinking, yeah, it's gonna be one of these games, isn't it, where the referee tries to, you know, win the game for the opposition team. But um I think with, with Morsey, you know, we've just mentioned him there, I think you're gonna get more physical with, with him. Um he just adds that that aggression to the midfield that we've lacked. I think Elliot said it a few podcasts ago that we're just too nice in midfield and, and you know, I think Sam Morsey um, adds a bit of, of that aggression to midfield. So I don't think that we're necessarily becoming a more physical side. I think that game was probably more, um, it was Oliver <laughs> Oliver Langford trying his best to, to let Barnsley win the game and, and try to get a Borough player sent off, apparently. Standard refereeing in the championship. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, the, stand, the standard's not particularly great, and it's obviously I can see why a lot of managers get frustrated. Uh, but it's a difficult job. What? Uh, Dan, next question um, is from Ian Smith, and Ian's tweeted to us, and he said, uh, "Thoughts on Brit this season, given the addition uh, added responsibility of being captain. Ian thinks uh, he looks much more motivated whilst he's yet to score in the league." Uh, so far, he looks hungry, and a handful in the link-up uh, plinko play with Akpom is very encouraging. So, what what do you make of the the tweet from him? I completely agree. I think he does look more motivated. He he looks better, a better team player without having those goals to his name, which is a little bit unfortunate for him. But um, I think eventually it'll come. Neil Warnock said it last night that he's just he's unlucky. He never seems to get the decisions against him. You know, he'll get. Are killed by a defender and the referee will just wave it away and it's just like um, it's unfortunate for Brit but I, I do really like Brit's captain um, I'm a big fan of Brit anyway I know he gets a lot of stick he's probably one of the, the Boris scapegoats but I think he does look uh, a different player um, yeah. and I know he's not you know he's, he's yet to score in the league like you just said there but I feel like it's coming and he's definitely changing his game all around I think he's you know his whole hold up plays better and um, I, I agree with you and I think he looks more motivated yeah else would you probably agree with that yeah um, I think so he's um, like I say you don't always have to contribute goals to the team I know it's kind of that's the first thing people look at with strikers and it's it's kind of you know, um, it's probably the most dangerous things you can do because, like you say, everyone done it with Akpom, and you think, I know he's got two and two now, but um, it kind of makes people look worse than what they are um, and what they can bring to the team. And when you have two strikers on the team, they're both not going to try and do the same <laughs> role. Um, one's going to drop in more than the other, 
And I think uh, that's what he's trying to take on um, with his new responsibility. So, Well, you look at the goal yesterday, the second goal, Britt shields off a defender from getting to the cross. I think if he doesn't do that, that cross could potentially be intercepted. And, and Tav's role in that goal as well is really important because he does the same, you know, he shields off the defender. Uh, Savile sort of comes across and I guess blindsights one of the defenders as well. So there's a lot of off-the-ball contributions to that goal, which I think is very impressive. And, and dare I say, um, sometimes it's what people don't um, notice. You get pellets for that. Uh, <laughs> How insulting to the fans that have 11 eyes. <laughs> 11 eyes? Well, yeah, who's watching the game? Um, <laughs> the fishing. The, uh, the fishing Simpsons. Simpsons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Supports Borough now. Well, River Tees has a few chemicals in it, but Jesus Christ, not that bad. <laughs> um, Els, Akpom, Akpom, Tuba, Akpom, two and two. It uh, should have really been three, to be honest. Um, it was a glorious chance in the first half to put Borough 1 0 up, but. You know, he's still got his goal and he seems to be fitting in really well, doesn't he? Yeah, you can't argue with uh with two and two really. He's, um you know, the goals uh, that he scored have been, you know, natural sort of poachers, finishes. Um, you know, the, the one that you mentioned, he, he really should have took that away. Um I think that's more the the level of perhaps what championship strikers are. They can be quite hit and miss. Um, you know, you'd like to hope that when it happens, he kind of said to himself after the game, even though he scored, you know, I hope that really doesn't happen again. Um, and I think it was one of those that he got through and he probably didn't expect to get the ball. Um, it kind of deflected between, I don't know which, was it Solbauer or Anderson, one of them, um, <laughs> off, off one of the legs and, and it kind of went through because uh, Britt's pass was a bit wayward to him. Um, and I thought, you know, um, when he got through, he maybe just didn't expect it, but uh, he could have perhaps went the other way. I just tried to dink it over the keeper, but... I thought it was in. For a split second, I was like, yeah, typical FIFA finesse finishing in the bottom corner. And then then I realised. Strike with 99 curve. (laughs) Three yards out, hits the post. (laughs) With like one minute to go, like every time. I I must admit, I wasn't surprised because, I mean, it's a Borough striker and it's a a chance one-on-one against a goalkeeper. We've seen it before. Kike, Nugent, um, strikes in the past. Negredo even did it a few times, you know. Our strikers are hexed, obviously. The, the, look, strikers miss those chances, but doesn't matter. Like he still scored yesterday, he got three points. Yeah, and he and... had that instinct, the strikers' instinct to follow up on on that parried shot, which a lot of Borough fans are mentioning that, that that's you know a rarity. Really, we haven't seen that in a while. So, so that was a big positive as well. Yeah, and obviously, I'm, I don't want to put fuel to a fire that doesn't probably exist. Um, but Ashley Fletcher wasn't there yesterday. I know Warnock said that he wasn't right at the minute. Transfer window closing this week. He said he was already fit. Um, we've heard this story so many times. It could Fletcher be off? No, I don't think so. I think it's no. a case of it was a hamstring injury, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think you've, you've obviously got to be careful with those. And given the break, uh, Warnock said that he was able to play twelve yeah. minutes, and it just wasn't worth the risk. I mean, twelve minutes. What's there's, there's no point in that really is there so um, no I don't think there's anything in that I think it'll just be a case of making sure that, that he doesn't tweak anything and, and you know potentially be out for longer yep. look you, you never know in football yeah, you don't, you don't. I've, got, I've got to ask the question so I'll shoot yeah. the messenger I think um, I think he'll be, he'll be involved again after the international break um, obviously it's tough to say where does he fit in but um, you know you can't argue with that competition it's, it's one of those where he's now going to have to unfortunately just you know, it's because of an injury Um but yeah, it's good. it could be a case where they'll come off the bench maybe in the, in the next game. Um, you know, if neither the strikers have scored or anything, and 
And I think that's what we'll do with the strikers all year. Um, you can see potentially Borough change shape. You know, Akpom can play on the wing. So can Fletch. You know, on the left hand side, you've also got Marcus Brown there, who, who obviously may leave on loan. We don't, we don't know. So you've obviously got Tav on the other side as well. So there's there's versatility there, and he can he could probably come in, but it depends on on what Warnock's feeling because I feel like the system we play at the minute seems to be doing fairly well. But we'll move on to that in a second. And obviously, the win yesterday let Borough go to tenth in the table. The first time, the first time since the Tony Pulis era. That um, so after obviously after the game. Neil Warnock uh, announced that Sir Patrick Roberts is uh, is coming back um, on loan to the end of the season, um, which I think personally think is a great signing. Els got a question from Joe Stevenson. He says, um, with Roberts coming in, does Warnock change formation now, or will he give him a, a free creative role as a number ten uh, that we've been craving for seasons? Now, obviously, bear in mind we, we chat about change of formations in the last pod. Potentially, we've got Watt coming in as a left back and maybe moving to a four-two-three-one. I know I mentioned there, but can you see maybe Borough potentially changing shape with Roberts coming in? Yeah, I think we'll tr- test out different systems and whatnot. Um, and I think the the midfield um, trio or diamond or whatever will be switched about at times. Um, we've seen, um, when we put a tweet out this week about Roberts actually, people were saying we don't play with the number 10, but definitely in that um, Watford game and, and some of the others, we definitely, Tav's definitely played ahead of the other two. Yesterday it was more they were all kind of central with each other um so i think uh you know there is a, a chance for us to play two behind and then then have someone like robert sitting in in front um but overall i'm very pleased with it, it kind of came out of nowhere because he dismissed it a few weeks back and we even just said last weekend you know it's not going to be it's not going to be um at all that he's going to be coming back and we kind of were a bit disappointed because we're like we, we can't go the full season having tav wing or brown playing in those positions um so it kind of came out with no way. I didn't expect it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it gives us the extra creativity that we're really, really going to need. Um, he was the only player last last year that could really jink between two or three people um, and create something out of nothing. Uh, but I think the rest of the team are quite static and we need good off-the-ball movement from a lot of different players and then the correct passes at the right time. Whereas Patrick Roberts can just be stood on the edge of the box, take a pass two and then get across into to someone and put it on a plate for them. So, um, yeah, yeah. But I think we will. I will. I think we will change formation and stuff a bit to accommodate him. He's going to be the almost like the marquee signing. So, yeah, yeah. I, could, I I probably agree with you. And I think it also comes back to the point earlier where I mentioned that it's good that that Bora having like six like players that are rated game by game six sevens out of tens. You know, it just gives it just gives him Roberts the ability to kind of fluctuate between each game do you know what I mean where he might get a fall on game the right next game do you know what I mean like, because I mean players like that creative players especially like Patrick Roberts where he hasn't really broke into it yet I know he did well at Celtic um, but he was signed at Manchester City for I think it was what was it 11 million or something daft the, the, probably a big amount for yeah pay for percentage sort of for them so obviously it hasn't worked out for him yet at Man City and obviously it still potentially can you, you, you never know with football but um, he needs to start getting that consistency I feel like this is his year now which he needs to um, and it's I know really injury, yeah, I think injuries are obviously unfortunate if he if he does get one and he, he isn't you know prone to get them. But I think this is his year where he needs to just have a cracking year now, and it can be almost like how um, Patrick Bamford is now, where you get into a team and and I was talking about this yesterday with a friend about team um, players at maybe this level um, in the Championship or maybe on the cusp of the Premier League, you still are in you know the top one percent. Um, 
of the country in terms of fo- sort of football and ability. Um, but I think sometimes they get a bit lost on where they maybe thought their potential was going to be or where they maybe thought their career was going to be. Um, and I think some of them they take a while to settle into the fact that maybe you know they're not quite going to be a Kevin De Bruyne. Um, <laughs> And I, and I think because obviously <clears throat> you get so overhyped, especially young English players um, from 16, 17, and obviously you see stats on things like FIFA and Football Manager and, and all these articles written about you and whatnot, and it kind of it, it would go to your head a little bit. And I think what you kind of have to do, and you know, I'm not obviously speaking from experience or anything like that, but it was more a case of thinking of players like Albert Adorma, for example. He was happy being that level. Um, and he, he's mm. forged a really good career in the championship. And he'll look back and think, actually, I had, a, I had a great career. I might not have played in the, the Premier League or I might not have done this and done that, but um, he was very good at this level. And I think uh, I think a lot of players maybe just need to think, actually, if I get my head down and work really hard, um, which is you know a given and you think every player probably would, sometimes subconsciously you, you maybe don't. And I think uh, if you get used to your surroundings, you get... You know, you make friends with some of the right players, and I think he might have, and that be a might be a factor in him coming back if he's made good friends with people on the team. Um, you know, that togetherness, and and you know, like you say, look at Pat Bamford now. He got three in the first three at Leeds. He maybe thought, oh, you know, he's gonna gonna flop in the Premier League and whatnot, and um, he's got a good bunch of players around him, and they're all kind of one part of a unit, really. So, yeah, good yeah. players and good managers. So uh, it speaks for itself, really, doesn't it? So, but um. Obviously, I know you, you mentioned quite a lot about Patrick Roberts there coming back, and obviously you're happy that he's coming back. And Dan, I'm just going to ask you the same question. It's, it's a great signing. Um, how, how happy are you that he's going to come back? You, I can see you smiling already that Patrick Roberts is coming back. Um, you're putting it all over our group and saying how much, how happy you were, and it was probably the best night of your life. Um, <laughs> oh, this is nice to me. But what, obviously, uh, what part do you think you'll play in this team this year? Because I know Warnock says he's going to be that number ten. Ellis mentioned that he could be that centre piece in the in the middle as well. Yeah, he's he's an additional part of the the jigsaw, really, isn't he? The first half, like I mentioned earlier, it was it was devoid of of any real quality apart from I'd say Tav's free kick, which was unfortunate that they crashed against the crossbar. But um, I just think he's he's that type of player that although he can be inconsistent, and I remember you know putting some criticism on him last season but he's the type of player that can change a game that can you know swing the pendulum in, in Borough's favour and just turn it on its head and, and sometimes in football you can't rely on individuals but other times I think you need individuals to take you forward in a game and maybe get you out of the pull you out of trouble I guess in, in a certain respect so um, Patrick Roberts is that type of player do we have another player that can do that I don't think we do um, so he's, a, he's another option he adds that creativity and you know, I'm I'm really really happy with it. Picking up where he left off last season, um, I wouldn't say he's got unfinished business, but his story at Borough is definitely unfinished. Um, you know, and and hopefully he can improve. And, and like Els uh, alluded to, there evade injuries because um, I know it has been a big part of his uh, of his young career so far. But it's a fantastic signing. Um, I think any any team in the Championship will want Patrick Roberts. So I'm really glad that he's he's joining Borough. Tomorrow, Patrick Roberts signs for Stoke. <laughs> <laughs> Talk, because that will happen. <laughs> Good to see it happening. But Els, um, Neil Warnock obviously keep keeps up my transfers. He said he's openly said he wants three or four more. 
um, before the window shuts. And Oscar Burr from Wolves was with the latest name this week to be mentioned. 22-year-old right back um, who's featured uh, quite a lot under Nuno this year. Um, obviously, he's made his debut in September uh, for Wolves this year. But he's looking, set, he's looking set to leave on loan. I know Dana mentioned last week that she really wants uh, Jed to get some competition in there. Is he the type of player to think we need as well? Uh, definitely. If it's that mould of what we were saying, um, going on the age, 22, he's he's got something to prove. He's been at Wolves four seasons now. Um, they've obviously, I think when he obviously got that game, it'll, it'll have been around when Doherty left and they were a bit light on that side. Um, I don't know off the top of my head if that's right, but obviously they've brought in now um, Nelson Semedo. Um, they've obviously strengthened across the pitch. I don't think he's going to get huge look-ins, really. He's, he's played um, in the... FA Cup, um, and you, you had a game in the FA Cup in the Europa League last year, um, and he's had, like you said, obviously Premier League and, and EFL Cup this year, but I don't feel like he's going to feature regularly at 22, you, you kind of need to be playing a bit more regularly, so um, I think it would be a good move for, for all parties, really, like I said, I can't say I've I've watched him enough um, to to kind of, you know, say if he's a, he's a great player or not, but he gives that cover at that side of the pitch, Um it's obviously somewhere we need, so yeah. Yeah, it's tradition. Then. Um, it's it's a bit. It baffled me a little bit though because um, one of the, was it the press conference I think on uh, Thursday was it that Warnock had, um, and in that one they were asking about transfers and he said um, that we probably wouldn't get many more in, um, and this is before I think the Patrick Roberts thing came out. So I don't know if he was just being very, very coy. Oh, he was... loves playing the media, doesn't he? He loves it. But he it lives was... for it. But it, no, it seemed very genuine because he was almost like um, on about the money and he wasn't just talking about Borough in general. He was talking about the championship and he said, you know, since that latest ruling of obviously the fans not coming back this month, um, he's kind of like, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill a lot of clubs. And he said, like, I can't now... Um, go to Steve Gibson and say actually we need to bring in three or four people because we might just have to make do until January as a lot of clubs are going to have to um, which I kind of agreed with and I thought well yeah we kind of have to suck it up it's you know it's a, it's a situation we're in because of a, a global pandemic but um, you know it's uh, but then it all kind of changed and then you know, a couple of hours later we were linked with, with Roberts again and then Oscar Boer and then you know obviously we heard about the three or four versus you know one or two um, I think what he meant was the permanent it. deals he loves it. He just loves playing the media. No, I, I don't feel like he was. I feel like what he was saying was um, permanent deals and right, okay. sort of putting uh, the hand in the pocket again and, and asking Steve Gibson for for money to buy players on permanent transfers. I think okay, yeah, we are going to dip into the loan market, obviously, which is why we, we're going to bring in Roberts and any other deals from now on will probably be loan deals. Because, I mean, it, it's understandable. I don't think it's realistic or, or anywhere near feasible to think that Borough can you know, go and spend two, three million, four million pounds again on, on, a, on a player when there's no revenue from, from the fans and probably won't be for a considerable amount of time. Yeah, I think obviously, as we've mentioned before, perhaps the, the wages as well, even if you are bringing someone on a free, um, you know, you're tied into a contract for obviously more than just a year, um, as we know from loan deals as well. You know, both clubs compare percentages towards it, so um, you would imagine that Patrick Roberts is potentially on quite a high wage, just given the fact he's at Man City. So um, we might not be paying the full amount. We don't know, but uh, yeah, like you say, it's it's a good party. It's a good deal for all parties. I think even the top teams. It's a good party. It's a good party <laughs> for all deals. Um, I think obviously the top teams like to get the players out on loan and give them that match experience and. 
if they then come good, they've you know another clubs nurtured them and it's helped that club at the time. And obviously, when they come back, they can maybe fit back into the the first team. But um, it's I interesting. Think that, I think they don't mind paying it sometimes, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's interesting to see that Man City going down that Chelsea route as well, while they're getting quite a lot of players in, just loaning them left, right, and centre. I think that's mm. what it might be with Patrick Roberts, um, where you know, a season or two's time, we could see him maybe move on for a five, six million fee somewhere. I don't think he has much left on his contract either. But in terms of like, there's obviously loan fees involved. Some clubs ask for like a, a one or two million pound loan fee. So I appreciate. I don't think that'll be the case for us this year. But you know, they're probably recuperating most of the fee they paid for him through loans, and then probably get the rest profit from like an initial transfer in, in in the long run, really. Um, but then I want to say on the flip side, um. Obviously, Neil said there's there's always going to be players coming in. There's also going to be players leaving as well. Um, obviously, he said he's confirmed that you may see one or two leave. That's why I mentioned Fletcher earlier. Um, but are there any players that you'd like to see probably borrow off Lord, or do you think we need the depth? I do think we need the depth. But, I mean, I know Marcus, he's come out yesterday and said about Marcus Brown. It's a bit of a difficult situation with Marcus Brown because he is a wide player. I do think he could probably play centrally, but it's not his, you know, his preferred role, I guess. Um, we may see him perform bare out wide, a little bit like Tav. So with Brown, he is sort of stuck because if he if we get rid of him, you know, there's one less option of the squad, which is already wafer thin. Um, but then it's sort of hampering the progress of his his career if he stays here and is a is a bench player. It's the same with C Walker as well, being that fourth striker or that fourth option. Um, you know, you'd much rather him go out. But I don't think Borough can afford to to get rid of anybody if we don't bring someone in. So if we sign maybe three or four more players, I can maybe see someone going like Marcus Brown and, and C Walker on loan. But I just can't. I can't see it for now. But I was thinking the other day about Lewis Wing and, and the fact that there is now depth there in midfield. So where does he fit in? Um, sort of. You know, I do feel like Lewis Wing has something to offer Borough because you know his, his passing, for me, is probably the best uh, at the club. You know, his his vision's very good, but when the player is coming towards him, that's when you see how out of his depth he is. And I don't think we can cater so much to one player that that isn't our best player. So with Wingy, you know, where does he fit in to the midfield with Morsey, Savile, House and possibly McNair? It's it's a difficult one with him. Mm. Could we go on? Yeah, no, I was uh, as you were saying it, I was I was just about to mention Wing after, but you you kind of must have read my mind on it and um it's gonna be tough for him, but I think uh I think we're gonna need them obviously because I think injuries are gonna play a part this year mm. and or positive um covid results as we've seen some in the premier league with, with mané and whatnot so um yeah i think they they kind of maybe just have to realize that they're, they're maybe they're on the bench for a reason they maybe haven't progre- um impressed in, as much in training or when they have played um wing in particular was quite poor after the restart last year um so i think i think that they've still got something to offer um and they can still go good we've seen over a long course of a season, people have different phases and different spells um, throughout it. So I think uh, there could be a point where if there's an injury, he gets in and you, you know he gets ten games in the team and, and plays quite well. So I think uh, I think that's just got what they've got to look forward to and just keep just keep sort of pushing on and, and trying to trying to give your all really in training too. Yeah. Well, obviously when when the permanent transfer is shut on the sixth of October anyway, um, we've got the option to bring in loan players anyway. Um, and when they do come in, they've got two weeks to to probably bed in bed themselves in during the international break anyway. And 
we're gonna we've got a, a little probably a little special podcast due for it anyway. So um but then one last question before we move on to like the season so far. Um Joseph asked us with Roberts coming in, how far away from the playoffs do you think we are? <laughs> I think we're still a long, long way. Um I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could somehow get into the, the playoffs and, and Warnock can um work his magic again, but no, I think we're we're a long way off, unfortunately. Okay, well my butt cheeks will thank you for that. So <laughs> Um, let's chat about more of the the season so far. Um, obviously, we're going into the first international break of the the, the season, really. Um, so let's 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 chat about it. Um, Els or Dana? It's an open question. Whoever wants it first. Um, what do you think Borough need to work on so far um, in the international break to make a, a bigger stride um, in the return? Um. I think defensively, um, I think we sometimes maybe say both ends of the pitch, to be honest, because um, our conversion rate hasn't been great. But I think possibly defensively, we haven't kept a clean sheet yet so far. I know we were unlucky yesterday, it was a penalty. But um, yeah, I think that's, well, that's one key area which I think Warnock will want to get right. He's, um, you know, as we know with Warnock over the years, he's going to be a manager who will be building from the back and um, us having to rely on scoring more in a game. Um, won't always work every week, so I think we're that's where we need to to tighten up really. Um, both the defense and the goalkeeper. Bettinelli's been a bit hit and miss so far um, this season, so I think that's a key area which we need to work on. I'd say set pieces specifically. I yeah. think set pieces have been our undoing so far this season. So I'd, I'd probably say that. I mean, Warnock made a good point about um, conceding chances, and we haven't really conceded too many chances against teams. I know yesterday, I think they only had one shot on target, which was the penalty. So um, that's a, a very good point. But in terms of set pieces, I do worry about us. Um, we just seem to make mistakes and players are out of position and, and we give them free headers. And it's, yeah, I think that's a worry. So I think I'd, I'd probably over the international break, I'd like to mm. hope that they're going to work on that. So set pieces, defensive players, we've obviously the clean sheets. But Dana, we are 10th. Um, we have played two out of the three relegated sides so far. We've got a win on the boards. Um, we're tenth, and you know, like I mentioned, we're tenth. So, like, just to let you like that, <laughs> we're tenth. We're, we're tenth. <laughs> we're, in the top half. we're in the top half. Um, <laughs> remember that. So, um, but how would you rate for a start of the season? I think we've been quietly good. I don't think we've been anything, you know, spectacular in in games. But there's definitely positives to take from performances, individual performances, team performances. Um, you know, it was a tough start for us. I think. I wouldn't. I don't think anybody could have been blamed for thinking that we'd be rolled over by Watford and Bournemouth, and we put two mm. good performances in against those teams. I think we were actually unlucky not to pick up three points against either of those because you know again set pieces were on our undoing. But we've you know I think we've been consistent in our performances, like uh, Blackwell said after the QPR game, and there's just a few things that need ironing out and refining. Um, you know, another thing, obviously tight. Um, improving up upfield uh up front but you know it's been a good start and I'm not going to get too carried away because it is only a start I remember when we started well in the Premier League and then that fell off so um yeah we, it's been a really promising start and I think like last week like I said I think glass glass half full I think okay so quietly satisfied um optimistic um Els I'm going to add stuff to the, the flame as well. Chub Rackpom, two and two, the first striker since Mido to do so. Um, <laughs> what a statistic that is. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, look, and, and I know from the tweets we've been getting as well, some fans are starting to get 
a little bit excited. Maybe it's because we're 10th, you know, <laughs> maybe. Um, but some of them are starting to get excited by the team. Warnock's record's superb in this division, um, of course, and some are saying playoffs and beyond already, um, which gets me a little bit worried. Um, but have your opinions changed a little bit from the first few games? Um, I know George uh, Ballantyne's actually sent us like a bit of a mixture question of, of this, but also around Tuber and Roberts as well. And his, his question was more of like, now we've got Tuber and Robertson, can you see us elevating towards the playoff places? Um, but what's your opinion after the, after the first few games? Do you think that, you know, playoffs? <laughs> um, I, I think one key thing about the championship is there's no one standout team this year. I think um, there's no one I think who's going to absolutely run away with it. I think it would be quite tight. Um, I think, as we said maybe at the beginning of it, we didn't expect Bournemouth to do so well, um, and they're actually doing the best out of the promoted teams. Um, and obviously, it, hey, it was it, it was speaks, used to not mean it speaks uh, <laughs> it speaks volumes of. Um, it speaks volumes that you know we, we picked up a point against them, and I know my my team pessimistic that we're picking up a point at home, um, but it's a it's a huge improvement on last year. Um, when you think of, we didn't have a lot of confidence going to a lot of the home games last year, um, and if you think back to, you know, the shudders of Luton at home, um, I don't think we'll we'll see many games like that this year where you just think it doesn't look like we have any hope at all. So I think potentially with a good run we could be we could be up there. Um, I don't want to say no on it because I think we've. I don't think necessarily we've got the quality, but I think the division can be so unpredictable, and I think uh, there isn't huge differences in the championship from top to bottom. Obviously in the Premier League, I think uh, when someone does well in the Premier League and finishes in the top four, like Leicester, for example, I think that's a a bigger achievement um, in terms of the quality between the top six and. The bottom half of the table is massive, but I think, you know, looking comparing like our squad to Bristol City or Reddings, there's not a huge difference. So I think, um, I think uh, you know, potentially with a good run, um, you know, injury-free sort of periods, I think we could we could do all right. But I don't want to get ahead of myself, and I think uh, I still think a mid-table finish is is probably on the cards. But mm. yeah. Yeah, uh, probably similar to we'll still uh, where we're going to be. But I know you speak a lot less to there. Um, they get a big three nil off West Ham. Okay, well so uh, I'll use I'll insert another team there. We'll use uh, we'll use Wolves for now because we'll, we'll they're we'll my bad. FPL team in the mud. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Brendan Rogers, uh for that. Um, but next question, guys. I know I know Els, you, you've been living to it as well. But Middlesbrough's next, and you said in terms of if Bor can get a. Can get a run together and start, you know, making themselves known in the division and trying to, trying to hit that playoff spot. But in terms of playing mid-table, the next fixtures we've got, uh, we've got the top two, Reading and Bristol City, both won every single game they've played so far this year, as well as well as um, Cardiff, um, and that Cardiff's away from home and they were playoff semi-finals last year. Got uh, Coventry, newly promoted side, who I think were a very very good team already. Uh, but then we've also got Nottingham Forest, who've started this 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 year just horrendously. Um, which they could, you know, Nottingham Forest they could potentially change three managers by then, so we don't really know um, <laughs> who's going to potentially be the manager by then. But um, Dana, how many points do you think we should be trying to get with those probably next five? Which don't wrong, very very difficult. Three at home, obviously Redden and Coventry and Forest at home, and Bristol City and Cardiff away. I'm looking at them and I'm thinking nine. I know that people think I'm crazy because of, uh, you know, I, I do think that we could 
potentially beat Reading. Um, they have won four games on the spin, but um, Kiss of Death, we do have a good good record against them. I think seven unbeaten or something like that. So there, <laughs> Thanks there for it that. goes. Thank you. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Don't football But no, I mean, there's some really tough games in there. Bristol City, I never like us playing Bristol City, especially away from home. Um, Cardiff away is always tough as well. And um, you've got an unknown quantity there in, in Coventry. We haven't played them in, in a few seasons now so um forest as well you could potentially see that being a borough win but then again form could completely go out the window i mean by then they could have sacked lamucci they could have a new manager in it it really depends but i'm looking at that and i'm thinking nine points uh win against Reading, um win against coventry and, and forest but and anything more than that i think would be absolutely fantastic yeah um there says nine points else what we what would what would you like how many points would you like i'm assuming you're like 15 but we're probably not going to get it <laughs> yeah i think uh I, I don't want to use the old cliches of getting two points a game but i think it'd be good if we could get around that seven or eight mark i think out of the first four we've got five so it's just below that kind of half of what you could have got um so maybe eight i'd be happy with um yeah. I think uh, I think it's definitely doable um, with those games, and um, I think the f- it's not annoying. But you know, obviously, we've got, I think we've got the hardest three out of that five first. Um, you know, looking at Bristol City <laughs> oh, yeah. and Reading um, first, just because of the, of the form they're on, they'll obviously be buzzing with confidence. Um, but I think, like I think, as I said in this division, I think uh, I think players are really too phased by that. I think you know, for a are playing Reading at home and you know they say they've won four games it's not like you're playing Man City at home and they've won four games it's kind of like we've got just enough quality to beat them here if we're good enough on our mm-hmm. day and we stick to our game plan um, so yeah. yeah they're on a heater but um, they should never stop on a heater but they have to because of the international break and that sometimes really does stop teams from progressing and really kicking on because they're yeah, just you, stopping. You, you do see a... huge swings in in form sometimes, and you know, um, going back to FBL, Danny, you, <laughs> you do see it, and I think that's why um, these this early season form sometimes can't be taken into account. You know, it's one of those, as I said, with Patrick Bamford, he might not score now for five, and Rodrigo might take mm. his place. Um, Timo Pukki last year was a, a massive example of that as well, and I think uh, you can't take a, a chasm of the. Um, of the season from three or four games, I think uh, there'll be changes which you just in the table and um, results that you want to expect, especially like the perhaps the Leicester one today um, with West Ham. So yeah, I'm I'm quietly confident that um, you know with us working on things over the international break, potentially bringing in a few more faces, um, that I'm not too scared going yeah. into any of those games really. So yeah, and obviously we we I remember like under eight or we always struggle that first phase of the season we'd struggle and then we'd just come back from the international break and we'd just be solid for the rest of the year which was really interesting actually looking back on it um, but as the old manager cliche it's it's different uh, I just want to mention one, one. point it's oh, different was that the cliche, to, <laughs> the cliche. Um, it's different um, uh, maybe how we're feeling now compared to last year which is a huge plus I think for the fans just because I think at this point already last season we were maybe saying when some once when some teams come like Fulham or Leeds and, and other teams like that, I feel like we were going to get blown away. And I think now, if you know, we're coming up against three good teams in the next couple of games, and I don't think we're overly that worried. I, I don't kind of want to compete. Yeah, mm. I think I don't think we're going to get blown away by them. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think we'll have the ability to to keep in the games and and make things difficult for them. I think every team that we've played this year, we've made things really really difficult. Um, we're seeming like a, re- a really tough team to break down. Now I know I appreciate we have to. 
we have to work on the defensive side of our play and it's not perfect yet and it probably will never be perfect but we've got to try and make changes to, to try and reach the stars really but in terms of the old manager cliche before you really interrupt me else <laughs> um, one game at a time and we're going to chat Reading so obviously Reading have started very very well top of the league and under the new manager oh cool it's going to be a tough one here uh, Velko Panovic I don't know. Hey. Paunovic. Paunovic. Hey. Oh, God knows. Tried. Don't ask me. Tried. Um, I should have said former Chicago fire manager. You know what I mean? That would be so much easier. <laughs> um, obviously, they're sitting second at the minute because uh, of goal difference. But uh, let's break them down. So I'm going to pass the mic over to you two. Yeah, they won their last game 1-0 against uh, Watford. George Pushkas scored the goal. Um, a really quite impressive victory, actually, given that it was against Watford, who, you know, for me, will win the league this, this season. Um, but it was the type of performance that, you know, you, you have to dig in and it's full of full of grit and endeavour. Um, they struggled the first 15, 20 minutes. They had to weather a bit of a storm. Watford really should have been in front and they should have been about two or three goals to the good. But, um, you know, they, they got to grips with the game after that with uh, the help of, of Reno, Reno Motha and uh, Josh Laurent, former Borough Target, Josh Laurent in mm-hmm. midfield. Former Hartlepool player, Josh Laurent yeah, as well. Yeah, very good player. Um, you know, them two really give them that balance in midfield. Um, they have the fluidity to change positions and, and you know, the two two really big players for for Reading this season. And yeah, when they when they went 1-0 uh, up, they really had to to graft and like I said it was a performance full of grit and, and teamwork. They had a huddle after the game, which I think is a feature of of uh, Paunovic and you know what he likes to instill that that team belief. Um, to be fair, I was looking at their injury issues because John Swift wasn't part of the team. Um, he's got a hamstring injury out for the rest of the year. Um, wow. Andy Yadom and Felipe Aruna, uh, two of their right backs. Uh, Yadom is out for a considerable time, um, I think, with a hamstring. No, it wasn't a hamstring, a knee injury, sorry. Um, and Aruna, and I apologise if I'm butchering the pronunciation of his name, Aruna. Um, <laughs> I'll ruin it. <laughs> Good pun. Um, uh, he's out with a twisted uh, knee. He's fighting fit. And then Lucas Shaw. Twisted Shaw's... knee. Such a FIFA reference. <laughs> That's what the manager said. I just repeated it. But uh, yeah, Lucas Shaw missed the game against Watford with a shoulder injury. They have a real lack of squad depth, which is, uh, you know, as young centre-back Tom Holmes, uh, only 20 years old, uh, was filling in at right-back. Um, you know, they, they don't have a lot of depth at all, but they do have some good players. The two I mentioned in midfield, uh, Pushkas up front, obviously. Um, Ovi Ajarian was missing from the Watford game with a stomach bug, uh, so he'll probably be back for the game. But an area for Borough to potentially exploit is that right-hand side. You know, the, the lack of depth is probably an issue for them. And um, Watford sort of targeted it in the first openings of the game, but then it petered out very much after that. Um, so that's a potential area that the Borough can exploit, but um, they, they strike me as that t- that type of team that, that are up there at the start of the season, but then will completely fade away and probably be mid-table. Um, I apologise for any Reading fans that might be watching that might be listening to this, but um, they just seem like a team that it just doesn't make sense for them to be at the top of the table. They've got a real lack of depth. They've got players playing out of position. They've got academy players. Fair enough, they've got that team spirit, which is fantastic, um, but. They just seem like a team that are, are mid table, so that's why I'm a little I'm a little bit more confident than I usually am um, coming up against an informed side because the international break could potentially completely stun them their momentum and they could come back after that as a completely different side, uh, much worse off. 
Yeah, they could do a Chef Wednesday. Of, like, like you mentioned like last year, uh, dinner where Chef Wednesday were like the playoffs. I think they were third at Christmas, mm. and then they finished like sixteenth. I think we did. We finished above we, Chef we Wednesday. We finished above them, yeah. So yeah, it's it's it, it's a funny old season. But else, do you have anything to to add there? Um, one player that uh, I know played in the last game potentially because of that injury to John Swift was Sonny Aluko, and I honestly wow, didn't, I didn't he think still he exists. Was, I know he had a really good game as well. Wow, yeah, I, I honestly, how old Sonny Aluko? I don't know off the top of my head, but guess thirty four. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I didn't think he was. I'll, I'll search it while you talk. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think he was uh, still around, so it was quite an interesting one. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's one of those. I, I think um, the the games they've had um, have actually been quite impressive. So I know they had a two 0 win against Barnsley, and Barnsley had two players sent off. But um, yeah, you say one of them was Watford. Uh, the other one was away at Cardiff, and the other one was away at Derby. So really good results. Um, all in, we wouldn't maybe expected Reading to to win four out of four there um but i kind of almost hope as well as agree with dana in that you know that they could come back a different outfit um and i'm not overly worried by the fact of just looking at that form as we know things can change very quickly so yeah how old is he <laughs> so interesting facts about sonia luke or now this is obviously i've just searched it but um he originally signed for reading in 2017 for 7.5 million never um from yeah. who hull from Fulham. Fulham. Fulham for 7.5 million he signed for. Um, 7.5 million. That's worse than George. So, yeah, count yourself. Look, he was on, he was on loan uh, to Beijing uh, Ren last year. Um, he went in February and went, obviously came back this year. But guess how old he is? He's got to be 34. Nah. 31. 31. What? 31 years of age, honestly. Never. He's one of those players where you think, what? He's been what? around forever. Yeah. See, I still, in my mind, he's still at Hull. Yeah, that'd be, yeah. I think Theo, isn't like Theo Walcott, like 29 or something? <laughs> like 31 <laughs> or something, but he just feels like he's been around for like 40 years, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, one of those, isn't it? Mm. Yakubu-esque. Yakubu, yeah. Oh, what about Oberfemi Martins? He's still playing. Yeah, Oberfemi in- Martins, only 24. It's ridiculous. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Right, uh, let's do predictions. <laughs> you know what I think for the third week in a row I'm going to go 2-0 Borough <laughs> 2 it's, it's got to it's, I mean if you throw enough shit at the wall it's got to stick eventually <sighs> um, I'll go 1-0 one 1-0 all. One all, um, it's it's so difficult I, I'm not going to say I'm going to probably say 1-0 Borough I'm gonna say, I, I can't believe it was 1-0 last time wasn't it Marvin Johnson yeah I think it's you know fancy being a bit optimistic and I feel like I've been slagging us off defensively for weeks <laughs> And I just think, you know, it's been the time to keep a clean sheet. And so fine, I've gone for three clean sheets on the trot. Oh, yeah, Dana's got optimistic. <laughs> I know, yeah, I've, I've gone for a clean sheet, even though we haven't kept... Uh, sorry, I haven't, I went one all. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> get me a coffee, please. Um, I offered. <laughs> uh, no, I think... Um, I, I just what I'm feeling at the moment, I think it might change and I'll probably end up going more optimistic as we get closer to the game. It's, it's quite a while away still, but... Um, yeah, I'm thinking just because I'm not overly fearful of it, but that they're in good form, I think a draw would still be a decent result. So. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'll give you a second chance next week when we go over it. Um, obviously, but next podcast is going to be a Borough Anonymous special. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we want from you guys, if you're listening, is we want you to email us at theboroughbreakdown.hotmail.com. That's mm-hmm. right, is it, Danny? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> theboroughbreakdown.hotmail.com. And we just want you to send your opinion, which... 
could be unpopular. It could be really popular. Uh, we just want to hear your opinion and we'll discuss it on the podcast. And before I sign things off as well, I want to say thank you to Richard Hurst as well, who sent us um, a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Also, thank you very much for that, Richard. Um, but that's pretty much it, guys. The first part of the season is over. The Borough are sitting 10th in the Championship with plenty to be optimistic about. But this has been the Borough Breakdown Podcast. And that was all of your Master Chatter in a pod of the Borough Breakdown. Want support? Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.